Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here this morning. I hope that everyone had a fun and enjoyable and happy Thanksgiving holiday with family and with friends. Uh, We are excited to be here this morning in celebration of our Advent season and our first Sunday of Advent, as you may notice by the beautiful decorations in our sanctuary. We want to welcome any guests or visitors. I'm a very special service, and so we would invite all of you to come back this evening at 6 o'clock to celebrate the hanging of the greens. We are excited that you are here this morning. We are excited in anticipation for this season of Advent as we anticipate, uh, of course, Christmas Day, but also the coming of our Lord. As we begin our service this morning, I would like to open us up in a brief word of prayer. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful to be in your house this morning. We are grateful that in the midst of a busy week, in the start of a busy week, in the end of a busy week, God, we pray that we would be able to take a moment of reflection, of quiet, of silence here this morning. I pray that each of us would reach into our hearts and to seek your voice. Father, I pray that each of us here in this room would be able to feel your presence here in this sanctuary this morning. Father, we are grateful to be here. We are grateful to be in the midst of each other and to be in your midst. Father, bless this time of service. I pray that in everything that we do, that it would be pleasing to you. Father, we love you and we are grateful. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. opening hymn, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, number 77 in your hymnal. If you are able, please stand.
Good morning. How are you today? Have y'all had a nice week out of school? And now what are we ready for? Christmas. Christmas. My cruise. Your cruise, that's right. Family going off, aren't we? That's almost as good, isn't it? How many of you know about Dr. Seuss? Yeah. Dr. Seuss has written a book. It's called, Oh, the Places You Go. And I want to read you a page out of the book first, okay? For people just waiting, waiting for a train to go, or a bus to come, or a plane to go, or the mail to come, or the rain to go, or the phone to ring, or the snow to snow, or waiting around for a yes or a no, or waiting for their hair to grow, Everyone is just waiting. We're waiting now for something very special to happen, aren't we? What's that? Christmas. Christmas. And what's special about Christmas, though? God's birthday. Do what? Jesus' birthday. Jesus' birthday. But you know, it's kind of hard to wait, isn't it? Do we have a hard time waiting for 24, 23, 22, 21 days? Sort of have to count down, don't we? But what I want us to think about over these next 20 some odd days until Christmas comes is what we're waiting for, the birth of Jesus. And I want us to prepare ourselves a little bit for this birth. We need to prepare our hearts, to listen to God, don't we? Because it's a special time. How many of you pass houses sometimes that have candles lit in the windows? We do, don't we? Sometimes those candles stay lit all year long. Do you know why? They're waiting on something. They're hoping and praying. Well, this is called the Advent season. And you see our wreath that's sitting here in the middle? It's called the Advent wreath and it means something is coming. And the candles in the wreath all mean something special. Today's candle means hope. And do you know who hopes for the best? We do. But you know whose hope God places the most in right now? Children. Children are his hope because you are just beginning to walk that walk. You are just beginning to learn to be followers of Jesus. Christ is coming, and we need to prepare our heart to be the best Christian, because we're not going to know when he's coming. He's just coming when he's ready. So we're going to take our opportunity as children of this church, children who are special, to light the first candle and it's the candle of hope. All right, you ready, James? See if Miss Ellen can get this to work. All right. All right. Hold on, Grady. All right. I want you to stand up and turn around and face, face the candles. Okay? Come here, James. All right. Paxton, can you see? Are we going to light the, whoops, slide it back up just a little bit. We're going to light the first candle. And what is that candle for? 
hope. All right, Grady, light the very first candle. Did we get it? I think you got it. All right, now. Now, can we all hold hands with each other? Everybody got a hand? All right, let us pray. Jesus, as we enter into this season that is a celebration and preparation of your birth, we are holding hands with most precious children, the hope of the world in the days to come. Protect them, keep them safe. Open their hearts to the message that you will bring them. Preparation, waiting, trusting, hoping for the day when you will return. It's in your son's name, Jesus, that we say, Amen. Thank you. Jones, her service was yesterday, so we want to continue to keep them in our prayers. And also, I know you want to remember um, the firefighters and those who are uh, affected by the fires and the smoke. Uh, just keep them in your prayers in the coming days. If you would go with me to God in prayer at this time. Loving God, in this season of waiting and watching, we look to your coming to us once again. You come in the sound of silence and in the laughter of friends. You come in the darkened night by bringing joy to an unexpecting world. Sometimes we feel burdened down with our own sorrows and preoccupations, and we miss your coming. And so we lift our prayers that you might break into our confusion and illumine our way. We lift our prayers this day for those who struggle with illness, for those who grieve, for those who face difficult decisions, 
May those we name in our hearts be touched with renewed faith and hope. We pray for the poor and the oppressed, for the unemployed and the homeless, and for all who remember and care for them. We pray for peace in the world and for the unity of all your people. We pray for ourselves, for the forgiveness of our shortcomings and for the grace to make changes in our lives where needed. This Advent season is a time when we acknowledge that your light radiates into our darkness. May we realize that in your light, we are all connected to one another. May we use that light to guide others and keep them from danger. May we not grow weary of waiting for your love and light, lest we miss your coming into our lives and into our world. We know neither the day nor hour of your coming, and we seek the hope and good news that wait to be born again in our hearts. We ask these things in the name of Jesus the Christ, who is always coming into our lives, even when we are unaware of it, or do not acknowledge it. In Jesus' name, amen. Our next hymn is number 79, Blessed Be the God of Israel, number 79. If you would please stand if you are able.
very quickly from Thanksgiving to the season where we celebrate the coming of Jesus so many years ago. Right after Thanksgiving, when we were thankful for those faithful believers who kept telling the story, even in great difficulty and great hardship, until it reached the uttermost parts of the earth, Boiling Springs, all the way from Palestine. And here we are worshiping today, and we have the marvelous privilege of following in their footsteps and giving to missions to continue to tell that story all over the world. We have two offerings, we have two channels. You can use an envelope and give to the traditional Southern Baptist one or to the newer uh, one that uh, is named the Cooperative Baptists. You can do either one, but we hope that you will do one or both to continue to spread that good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful privilege in our day and in our generation of continuing to tell the good news about Jesus in all those countries whose flags we carried where this particular group of Baptists have missionaries. And we pray for those people living in those countries represented by the black flag where we have no missionaries and where culture, distance, war, competing ideologies make it difficult to witness. We pray, Heavenly Father, for those people that we may be able to reach them too. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.
The scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 16, 
beginning with verse 9 and 10, then skipping over to verses 25 through 31. If you're following along with the Pew Bible, this begins on page 963 and then continues on page 964. The Bible indicates that God revealed his will to certain people through dreams or visions. In this text, we see how God spoke to Paul in a vision, beginning with verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you for the opportunity to share with you this morning as we begin an emphasis on Advent, but also an emphasis on international missions. And I want to thank you for your love and some prayer and your prayers over this last year. It's been tough, but I've survived. And God is good. To add to what Cindy read, I want to read a couple more verses from that chapter that goes in with the story, because we're going to be looking at three different scenes today in this chapter, the 16th chapter of Acts. In verse 13, it says, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of our household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. How many of you like to travel? Anybody here like to travel? Do you make plans well in advance to travel? To have everything sorted out? So you've got, if you're going overseas, you've got to have your passport, passport, sorry, passport. You've got to have all your papers. You've got to have your money sorted out and everything. Or if you're traveling here in the States, you have your GPS. Or if you're old fashioned and you still want to use maps, you have everything so you know where you're going and what your destination is. What if you find out at the last minute that you're going to travel somewhere? 
and you need to leave quickly, what happens to all your plans? I found myself doing that several years ago. On Christmas Eve, when I found out that my dad had died, I was in the hospital and had to come back to the States pretty quickly. And I had to pack quickly, and then I left some things. So I actually have a packing list on my computer. So if I'm going somewhere, I guess that's a little OCD in me. Susan, you and Betsy would agree, I'm sure. Um, that I have all that so I know, so I don't forget anything at times. But if, you, if you're planning to go somewhere, you, you can make plans ahead of time. But if you have to plan quickly, then you have to grab things. As many of the people in the mountains have had to do is they've had to pack up all their belongings and save their treasures to get away from the fires in case their home burned. But sometimes when we go in places, we don't have a clue where we're going or what we're going to face. And as we look at the 16th chapter of Acts today, we see three different scenes here. The first one is Paul and his dream. The second one is with Lydia. And the third one's a little unusual, but it ends in a great way. Let me ask you, did any of you have a dream last night? I won't ask you to tell your dreams. Did any of you dream last night? I dreamed about a mountain lion for some reason, and I don't know what that was, and I woke up and I'm thankful I did. But Paul, in these verses 9 and 10, had a vision or a dream. And a man was saying to him from Macedonia, come over to help us. In fact, it says he begged Paul to come. When somebody begs you to do something, do you do it? I think many times we do. I mean, I had many a person come to my gate in Cape Town and beg for food, or many times they wanted money. And many times I didn't give them money, but I would give them food. But if somebody's begging for something and they beg for you to come, you usually go. Or do you ask a lot of questions of that person to say, what am I gonna be doing? Where am I going? What, what's my agenda? I know when I went to South Africa for the first time in 1997, Teresa uh, Davis and Faith Beam and I had lots of questions. And back in those days, we had to use faxes and not email at that time. And we were faxing back and forth and we were asking lots of questions. And my friends over there still tease me and they say, you wanted to know if we had washing machines and the main thing was we wanted to know if we could wash our clothes and wanted to know if they had a CD player and different things because we didn't know where we were going because some of the folks that had been before said the camp we were going to didn't have running water too well and we would have to wash our dishes in a trough. So, of course, you'd ask questions. But Paul, in this scene, immediately got ready to go and he headed to Macedonia. You know, he could have said, you know, I'm tired. I've been on a lot of missionary journeys. I just need to rest. I've been out going lots of places. And he was going to a different place from where he'd been. I'm not sure he'd ever been to Macedonia, but he had a vision from God to go. And he stepped out in blind faith and followed the Lord to Macedonia. Apparently his reputation had already preceded him to Macedonia for the man to send him a message. And it wasn't like he could pull out his cell phone and send him a text message or send him a Twitter tweak or whatever the, as we do these days. 
But the message got to the man in Macedonia for Paul to come on over and to help them. But I'm sure Paul was weary, but he got ready. He was obedient, and his response was, yes, I'll come and help you. Paul had accepted the Lord's command to go and make disciples because that goes together. And as you see in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, when Jesus said that, he said we're to go and make disciples. We're not just to go, but we're to go and make disciples. And making disciples can be costly. The great theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer in a book, Costly Discipleship, said God bids us to come and to die. Are you willing to go somewhere to die? I remember Bob and Raylene before you went to South Africa, somebody asked you, well, aren't you afraid? What happens if you die there? And Bob's response was, well, it's just as close to heaven in South Africa as it is in Boiling Springs. Many people have been obedient and followed the Lord by serving him. And we've had missionaries in recent years that have gone around the world to different places. We've lost missionaries that have lived in the Philippines, in Yemen, and in other places because they felt the call of the Lord on their life. And they said yes, and they went. Through the years, people here have gone, have followed the Lord's call to the Philippines, to Honduras, to Poland, to Guatemala, to South Africa, to New Mexico, to Boston, to West Virginia, and many other places. And on and on we could go with the places that we've been on mission. Where is the Lord calling you to share his love? It may not be a faraway place. It may not be like going overseas. It may not be Macedonia. It could be your neighborhood. It could be at work. It could be at school. Or it even could be at home or with a member of your family. How will you respond? Are you seeking God's plan or are you praying and seeking his vision for your life? I think many times we get caught up and I'm comfortable. We get in our comfort zones and we think, well, I'll just, I'm here. I'm saved to sit and I'll sit here till the sweet by and by comes. But God's calling each of us to be obedient. In the second scene we see here, we move to Philippi. Paul and his companions went there to teach and to preach and to pray. There were women all around there. There was a woman named Lydia who was a dealer in purple cloth. This meant she was a businesswoman and she was most likely wealthy because purple cloth was very expensive. While Paul and his companions preached, Lydia's heart was opened, as it says in the scriptures, and she believed in Jesus. Her household also believed, and they were all baptized. Revival broke out in that community. How glorious that must have been as Paul and his companions saw their first converts as they were there in this area. The celebrations continued as she invited Paul and company to come and stay with them for a few days. 
they went to her house and they stayed there. Can you imagine the conversations that were going on? I'm sure they were sitting at the feet of Paul and his companions and asking lots of questions as new believers. And these were their first converts. They were seeking the fruit of their labor or seeing the fruit of their labor from the Lord. And the Lord provided Lydia's home as a place to plant a church. Are you willing to have a church plant in your home? There are some homes here, even in Bowling Springs, that have churches meeting in them. Lydia was their person of peace to be able to reach out into the community with the gospel. While I was in South Africa, at one point in time, I felt uh, it, it came to a conclusion with one of the ministries I started when I first went there. I was disappointed, I was grieving, I was dejected, and all those emotions were wrapped up and everything. I'm thinking, Lord, what have you got in store for me? You brought me here to do this. This is what I'm trained to do. What's next? And as I shared with a good friend and everything, and she said, you never know what's next. And the day after I moved out of one ministry, a colleague of mine and I were at the Noma Clabiso Handicap School. We went there each week to share with the children, the preschoolers, there were handicapped children there, but they also had a crash, a daycare. And we would share with the teachers and the principal each week and share Bible stories. One week, Amy would do the Bible story and I'd be with the children and then we'd swap. So that particular week, I was with the teachers. And after sharing the Bible study and sharing a time of, do you believe in Jesus and giving them an opportunity to, to commit their lives to Jesus, the principal and a couple of others accepted Christ. As I arrived home that day, I thought, Lord, sorry about my little faith. You closed one door, but you've opened another one and opened many more opportunities there. But you pray for the Nomoklabisa school because we don't have any ministry going on there. And there's a lot of African traditional religions going on and the principal had some Zionist tendencies and background and I'm fearful that she may have gone back to that. Have you seen how stepping out on faith and how God in his way and his timing confirms that you're on the right track? Sometimes we feel like we're going one way and God closes that door and he either opens a window or says wait or he points us in another direction. So which way do you need to go? Are you willing to be like Lydia? In the third scenario, it takes on a whole different scene. God showed his people their enemy and that he was in control. Beginning in verse 16 and the verses following, Paul and his companions encountered the enemy. The young girl was possessed with an evil spirit. I'm not sure any of us around here have seen somebody that's, that's demon-possessed or possessed with an evil spirit. We may think some people are pretty evil at times. But the young girl was possessed with an evil spirit. And after the girl followed Paul around for several days, they commanded the evil spirit to come out of her. They had an exorcism. 
I'll never forget, I had two journey girls in Cape Town that were working in schools ministry in the Tulsa schools. And one day they came to my house after being in the schools and they said, yo, Bonnie, you should have been with us today. They said, we were teaching in one classroom and all this noise was coming over in this classroom beside us. And she, they said, one, two of the teachers came and got us. And there was a girl in that next room that was actually demon-possessed. And they had to go in there and pray for those demons to leave her. And they did. I wasn't there, but just to see their faces and the experiences they had with that. But that's what happened here with Paul and them. This girl was following them around. But the people that were her owners became upset that their income was ceased because this girl no longer possessed these evil spirits. The owners brought charges against Paul and his companions. Eventually, Paul and his companions were flogged and they were thrown into prison. But Paul was still on mission for the Lord. And where did he find himself? In jail, in prison. Can you imagine? I don't know of anybody here that's been in prison. I was arrested one time years ago for the Cancer Society because of two people in this room. It was behind bars, but I've never, I've been in prison, but not incarcerated as such. I've been to the prisons in, in South Africa and you don't want to go there. But they were, they found themselves in prison. Paul and Silas made the most of the situation. Now, can you imagine yourself being in prison and this scene happening? They began singing and praising the Lord in their jail cell. Would you be singing and praising the Lord if you found yourself locked up in prison with other prisoners? When you find yourself in a difficult situation, does it mean you're out of God's will? Imagine the other prisoners around Paul and Silas there. How did these other prisoners feel? Here they are, they're singing and praising God. Here it is at midnight, and they're singing hymns and praising God and praying. Suddenly, in the midst of all of that, there was an earthquake, and it shook the prison walls and the foundation. The doors of the prison were open, and everyone's chains, chains were loosed. They were set free. This could be a physical picture of spiritual revival and awakening. I'm sure the prisoners were probably singing, my chains are gone, I've been set free, but in a different way. But then all of a sudden the jailer who was supposed to be watching these prisoners woke up, he'd fallen asleep. I don't, won't ask anybody to raise your hand if you've ever fallen asleep on the job but I'm sure some of us have done that. But this guy was a jailer. It was his job to watch the prisoners. He'd fallen asleep and then an earthquake came and he saw that the walls were shaken and the, the foundation had been shaken and that he thought, oh my goodness, I failed at my job. I bet all these prisoners are gone. He looked around and he was about ready to take his own life because he felt like he'd failed his job. But Paul said to him, don't harm yourself, we're all here. 
Imagine the shock on that jailer, on that jailer's face when he found out that they were all there as he heard that news. The jailer, I guess he was a little bit of, he wasn't sure that he was hearing right. He wanted to see, so he had lights put on. And he rushed in and fell on his knees before Paul. He was trembling. And he looked at Paul and Silas and he said, what must I do to be saved? Spiritually, the jailer was in prison because he had not met the Lord. He was lost and didn't know Jesus. But he was saved and his entire household was saved. Revival came to his family. Can you imagine the transformation in that family? And the jailer's superiors. Are we prepared to share the gospel? Even if we're in prison or in a difficult situation? Some of the missionaries that have been held captive share stories of sharing Christ with those with whom have held them captive. The church that I was a part of in, in South Africa has been praying for a man for five years who's been in, cap, in captivity in Mali. His family is not giving up yet. They got a video this week for Steve. So you pray for Steve McGowan who's been in captivity for five years. His parents are very weary. They've aged a lot through this process. So just pray for him. And I'm sure as a Christian, he's tried to witness to these guys. But in these three situations that we see, we see how God used those particular situations to share the gospel. We need God's vision in order to be effective. Paul was called to Macedonia. I want to ask you today, where is your Macedonia? You may, you may not be called across the ocean, across the country, or across the state. But each of us are commanded to be obedient, to go into the world. The world needs Jesus. Today as we watch situations here in our own nation, and around the world and in our state, the world desperately needs Jesus. You cannot watch the news without feeling so sad for so many situations. Are you willing to ask God for his vision for you, where you are to go and tell? You know, a missionary is one cent and if we've accepted Christ, we're all to be sent. Nobody's exempt. Or are you willing to be like Lydia and open your home to be able to share with others, with your neighbors, with a family, with the community, to share the love of Christ? Are you prepared to share the gospel anytime, anywhere, with anyone. Jesus gave us this commandment in Matthew 28. It says, go into the world and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I am with you to the end of the world. No one is exempt. Every believer is commanded to go and tell. Where do you need to go? To whom do you need to tell? I want you to prayerfully watch this video. Father, you've commanded each one of us to go into the world. The time is right, the fields are white. There's work to be done before the night, as was sung in that song. Lord, help us to find our Macedonia, our place where we can be Lydia, or a difficult situation like Paul was in in prison. 
Father, you've called each one of us who are believers to do that. Help us to be obedient, to go and tell, to go into the world. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know as you've been here today, if the Lord has talked, has spoken to you, if you need to respond to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or if you want to become a part of this church, or any decision you need to make, I'll be down at the front. We'll be singing hymn number 385. As, pardon? 585, sorry, 585. Please stand.